The boys are back in Birmingham. Season five is off and running, and we had a magnificent season-setting episode. Welcome into By Order of the Peaky Blinders, a podcast breaking down every single episode of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy, and boy oh boy, I am glad to be back. I am officially caught up. I binged the whole show, ready to break down season season five, episode one. Yeah, we started off, and now we have our instant reactions here. We're going to do a full episode detailed breakdown once it drops on Netflix on October 4th and throughout the early parts of October. But first, let's just get our... Uh, our lucid train of thought after seeing that one hour, basically one hour, 57 minute season premiere for season five of Peaky Blinders. And we started it off in classic fashion. We saw Tommy riding a horse. We saw Tommy shooting a horse. We saw Grace the ghost. The stock market crashed. Arthur's the chairman. Ada's pregnant. Everyone is doing, it's just so many things are now being set in place for the rest of this season what were some of the favorite parts of this episode for you? Well, this is your classic uh, episode one of a new season, you know, setting so many things up. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it was my favorite episode of all time, but I know that in hindsight, I'm going to like looking back on it. Um, but I loved seeing Grace, man. The long hair looking A1. Yeah, Tommy is going through some stuff. I, I don't know whether that was, you know, a refined amount of very strong alcohol or if he was like, what, drinking morphine? You know that you know what I mean? That those little tablets that he's like sipping. I know. It was it was weird because I didn't know what he was drinking or like it was like medicine referred to it as medicine or if it was just something that he had on the side, but it was helping him cope with his PTSD, but dating back from the last episode of the last season which will obviously break down once we once we do the rewatch for all the, for all the rewatchers but yeah it's just it's like really it's crazy how we transition from the from the beginning beginning when he's smoking opium and you know Tokyo was introduced and now he, we're drinking morphine and so it's just a sign of the times yeah it's interesting we haven't seen him smoke opium in a while and in the previously on they didn't focus at all about Changretta the killing of him or anything like that they really focused on his meltdown at the very end of season four. And so obviously that PTSD, the shakes, whatever Polly wants to call it, Polly setting him up with a doctor. It's still at the end of the day, Josh, it's the same old Tommy. He is wheeling and dealing without telling anyone, but Polly and Arthur, you could see their faces, the, you know, whatever you want to call the exterior crew, the, the Linda, the Ada, and then the new guy on the board, whatever his name was, everyone's just going to have to get along with the fact that Tommy Shelby will never change. He's going to always be making plans and playing chess in his head. I mean, based off of what happened in his most previous endeavor two years prior with Luca Changretta, I think he's going to want to be a little more care- careful with how he runs things. I mean, I mean, obviously, we're like, like we won't get too much into into the last season. We'll, we'll focus more on this episode, but I think he really like it was an eye opener for Tommy. I mean, that was like about to be it for him. So I don't think he wants people meddling in his affairs and how he runs the business. And I think that happened a little too much, you know? We moved two years in the future. It's 1929. Ruby is his new daughter with Lizzie. Ruby is the name that uh, that Polly came up with in the bathroom during the boxing match between David and Goliath in the season finale of four. 
And uh, she doesn't quite look gold like a like an Oscar, like Polly predicted. But um, we're going to have, you know, talking throughout this episode, I want to break down a couple of our favorite quotes. But the main storyline here is the fact that, what, 80% of the Shelby fortune is now gone because of what is called Black Tuesday in late 1929. And we get introduced to it. And I thought it was a perfect way. I don't want to hear Tommy get it on the phone. I want to see Michael wake up in, of all places, Detroit with an absolute dime, a Detroit dime laying on the floor, and then reading the ticker, as I'm sure millions of Americans did that day, to then see all of their stock dropping and dropping and dropping, plummeting. Arthur calls it a freight train, and he says, we were most definitely on board. But the craziest part to me is that Tommy casually mentions that he called it on Friday, right? And he told Michael to get out, but he didn't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's something that, that we obviously don't know, and we're going to find out what happened in that conversation or if you listen to him but i wonder if it's like a, a vendetta against tommy like i can i can handle it myself i don't need your advice kind of thing i mean i don't know but like damn dude what is 80 percent of their funds just down the tube and and let's just let's just establish that michael got sent to siberia Detroit, Detroit, Michigan is Siberia. It's cold and there's not a lot of sun. He's, he found a dime and he's going to bring her back to uh, to Birmingham. And, and there's a little bit of a, uh, like a next week on. And you could see Tommy and Michael with his girl in the back. And oh my God, RIP. Because this episode, Michael was almost my winner. He's my second pick for winner of the episode. Just because um, he's bounced back from essentially being banned from the family. And now they need him. But, man, that was crazy. You know, they, they touched on it previously on Tommy sending Michael to America because essentially Michael was going to give Tommy up to Luca Changretta to save his mom and make the deal and then move to Australia. But then Polly was in on it. And just clarifying for those like Josh, you might not have uh, caught on 100% what was going on there. But when Michael was laying in his hospital bed and Tommy said, is there anything else that you need me to know? Michael just said, have a good weekend. And he watched Tommy essentially walk to his death. But uh, Tommy laid the trap and Polly, Polly set her, her own trap on her son <sighs> just to hope that he would be loyal. And oh, that was a tough one to watch. I can't stand her, man. I really have just, I've grown so tired of Polly. Like, she's so, oh my God, I, I love my son. I want to be with my son. I want to grow close to my son. And then, oh, let me throw my son under the bus. And then I'm going to go against Tommy. So let's get to my biggest highlight of this episode. And, you know, we see Tommy get an important phone call from Arthur that this gang known as the Angels of Retribution have not heard of the Peaky Blinders. They don't really care about them. So Tommy orders a hit. But he, he very specifically says that Finn cannot get involved. Does not want Finn or anyone that has a blade in his cap, quote unquote, to get involved in the sticky stuff because he wants to keep the Shelby's scot-free, legal. Finn gets involved, goes with Isaiah, who's a new actor. Interesting to point out. Goes with Isaiah, goes with Abraham of gold. Abraham of gold. He's got a new haircut. He doesn't really look like Abraham of gold anymore. He's looking like Littlefinger. He's looking like the mayor from, uh, oh, from the show, crap, The Wire. He's looking like the mayor from The Wire, uh, you know, that uh, <laughs> that the actor is. And then we see Abrahama, Abrahama, however you want to say, yellow, <laughs> little finger. We see him bursting through the wall. 
killing the Chinese pimp who shot Finn in the arm and then basically yelling as if he is the Hawaiian punch guy. But instead of saying, oh yeah, he says, now you've heard of us. And it was fucking awesome. The Kool-Aid guy, not not the Hawaiian punch guy. Just, just, just. <laughs> My, that whole, that whole rant was one thing off. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't remember what the guy's, <laughs> the show name was in The Wire. I couldn't remember what the guy's name was, Abraham Abrahama. So we're going to, I mean, we could go and cut this out. But guys, we are straight up with you. I want to show you that I make mistakes. Of course, of course. But no, that was the Kool Aid guy. The Kool Aid guy, man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, Abraham just bust through the wall. That was a crazy scene, man. That was wild. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely, definitely, not the greatest infrastructure that the Chinese are are wrong with for 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 Mister Littlefinger, Mister Abraham Gold to be able to run through the wall. But that was wild, and I mean. We've never heard of the Peaky Blinders? Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Yeah, and then that's going to get all caught up with the whole, there was a judge in Parliament that ordered Tommy to do it. He was going to pay him 50 grand. Tommy's saying, I want to be Robin Hood. I want to clean up the city. Everyone's commending him in the in the pub. But really, Tommy's short on cash, and he wanted the 50 grand, and that's where we got another epic scene with him and the dirty judge who only wanted to pay him 20K, but Tommy kept, of course he did, kept all of the documents. It showed that the judge was also, I don't know, trading, abusing kids. The whole thing is just, it, it, the whole thing implied it, but didn't really, you know, lay it out for you. But you kind of got the idea. Tommy saying like, oh, we had we had men like you, we were waiting for them in the war, and then I killed one of them. And you're like, oh shit. Tommy's bringing his dirty talk to the parliament, to, to Westminster, to the fucking Abbey, and everything is really getting back to the basics. And if you were worried that it was going to get boring because everything was going to be legal, boom, stock market crashes and shit goes back to being wacky-ass Birmingham gangsters. Can we just, like, sit, like, take a second and just, like, think where we were season one, episode one with Tommy Shelby and season five, episode one? The man is a politician now. And, like, honestly, I love politician Tommy. Like, it just... It just adds more of like that, that like big dick Tommy Shelby attitude. You know what I mean? Not not only is he, is he this boss ass gangster, but he's a freaking politician with so much power. And it's just I just I think we all as 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 avid fans need to sit down for a second and just open our eyes to that because it's wild. So I just love that progression. But a lot's going on here. Yeah, there's some great quotes, and I want to take a minute here to go over the three or four best quotes of this episode. And the first one came when uh, Abraham Abraham Gold was digging the bullet out of Finn and telling him how he's done it before. He dug a, a bullet out of a rib cage of a horse, and then he's like, "Oh, but but the horse died." That was funny. That was funny. It was like a little <laughs> the fact that he's like trying to trying to make a funny joke while this kid has a bullet, and and they laughed. They laughed. <laughs> they, they, they got him to laugh. So that was that was great. And then uh, Tom goes to Ada and says, we own the ropes. Who's going to hang us now? And I had chills on that. And Ada replies, because she is a fucking Shelby, she's like, no one's going to hang you. You're going to hang yourself. Yeah, Ada, Ada is like the only one who – Ada and Paul just don't have confidence in, in, in things that Tommy does. But Tommy, Tommy is not going to listen to them. I mean, Tommy, Tommy got rid of – of Luca Changretta. I I really don't think he's scared of anybody. And then Ada's got one more good one, and then we'll save maybe the best one for the very end because it was in the last scene. 
but Ada's talking to Finn about how he can't be stupid anymore. Right. Ada says, we've got a chance. Tommy, Tommy has power. We've got money and our past is left behind us. And then she kind of switches it. And, and a couple of minutes later, she's like, she's talking about how we need to go on the offensive. She says, when others retreat, we Shelby's advance. And so that just shows that at the end of the day, the Peaky Blinders are always going to be scheming, wheeling and dealing. Even when Ada is pregnant with the Colonel, that soldier, the, the mixed race one from season four, trying to approach her on communism. Now it looks like they're getting it in. And, uh, Ada seems to have forgotten where her first son is, right, Josh? Where the hell is Carl, man? We we where is Carl? Where is Carl? This is a problem. Let's just change this this podcast name to Where is Carl because both of us were screaming at the whole episode. Where is Carl? Where the hell is Carl? Okay, like this is not the greatest parenting by Ada if she just I mean, you so it's 1929. I'm assuming Carl's around 9 or 10, assuming he was born in 1919 or 1920. So he's got to be 9 or 10 years old. I mean, he, he can handle his own. He's he's not he's not a little boy anymore, but he's not an adolescent yet. Like, where's Carl? We need we want answers. Where is Carl? And then we did have a good little callback here to when I don't know what his name is, the colonel, the the soldier that Ada's sleeping with, hooking up with, whatever. Asks her why she's not drinking gin and instead is drinking stout. He's like, you never drink stout. But it was a good callback to last season. It was the last episode. I remember it fresh because I just rewatched the end of the, the Changretta season. And Polly told Lizzie in the bathroom of the boxing match to stop drinking gin and instead drink stout. And now we see Lizzie as a mom. What do you think about Lizzie as a mom as we start to get into this Tommy and Lizzie you know, plot of this whole thing with Tommy, you know, going off the deep end, Charlie not listening to him, nobody listening to him, but Lizzie just kind of keeping things together as she is literally traveling with gypsies, right? Yeah, th- that's what I thought. Like, Lizzie, I I like how they're, she's dressed, like, to the nines, like, in the middle of this giant field surrounded by gypsies and horses and in, like, tents, and she's just... Honestly, Lizzie looks, Lizzie looks good, man. I mean, I don't know about you, but she's looking good. And she's 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 got to be uh, most improved player of of the show since since season one. No, definitely visually. And and I say you know you could tell that that Peaky Blinders has gotten the promotion from BBC Two to BBC One. The budget is a little bit bigger. The outfits are a little bit more extravagant. Linda's looking pretty fine, even though she's an absolute bitch, and she is <laughs> off of the off of the absolute train tracks. I have a bold prediction that L- Linda becomes the villain of season five. That's how it's looking. She could be, and that was she's she's a bitch. She's a gray bitch, but that was tremendous acting on her part. That scene where she was in, when they were in the meeting with. With, with, Arthur, with all the board members. Arthur trying to describe the, the stock market crash as bumbling of an idiot as he can be. Paul Anderson is my hero. It's just just phenomenal. And she and her she's mocking when she's like, da, 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 da. like I was just like, <laughs> that's great. I don't know exactly what she said, but it was really great acting. Um and that was I was shocked that Arthur kind of went against her like that. So as we talk about Lizzie, we find out that Tommy and Lizzie are married. I wrote it down in like the fourth minute when I saw the wedding ring on Tommy. And I was like, oh my God, did they make a mistake? And then they reference your husband. And we, it's, it's, just, it's just epic. Tommy now has his second wife. But what do we see? We see Tommy in the woods. We see Tommy with some fire making a decision and banging. I mean, you talk about stealing the show. Annabelle Wallace, 10 out of 10. 
maybe hotter than she's ever been as she shows with her hair down, Josh. And I mean, men everywhere got a little bit more excited. I was excited. I texted you immediately. I said, holy grace in all caps, because you can only use her in a holy light. And she was looking banging with the long hair. Not to say that she didn't look good with the short hair, but she was looking great with the long hair. Um, I always think about this in, in shows that like when they kill off a character and they haven't been there for several seasons, like, okay, so Grace hasn't been on like the set in years. So like, they just like hit her up. Like, Hey, Hey, Annabelle Wallace, we need you for literally 45 seconds. Are you, are you good to go? So just, that was, that was a great scene. A couple other, you know, notable parts of this episode. I thought it was interesting that Linda is now the cokehead. I also thought it was interesting that Michael is still going off the chains with the cocaine, the Tokyo, because he just seems so smart to me. The two of them, honestly, Josh, are they might be the smartest two characters besides Tommy Shelby, and yet Tommy hates both of them. I don't know. Right, right now, Michael's in the doghouse because he's fucking up left and right. But uh, Linda and her and, and her Jesus, her 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 come to Jesus, aha bullshit okay she's the biggest hypocrite doing tokyo you know that's definitely not condoned in the bible to do to do drugs it's a sin so she needs to she needs to to listen to her own advice a little bit you talk about the doghouse let's get to the fan favorite part of this episode alfie may be dead but cyril lives on in his own slow motion entrance to this season and this episode and it's so great to see tommy taking care of alfie's dog not a dog, a miniature horse. <laughs> Legitimately a miniature horse. But yeah, no, it was great. To, it was great to see. You. Is it Cyril or Cyril? Tomato, tomato, Abraham, Abraham. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it was nice to see him. Tommy, Tommy's a man of his word, man. Love to see that. We also have to talk about another new character. I mentioned the, the board member, Mr. Green. We don't really know anything about him. He made that dumb comment about the women being progressive. And that's about all we learned about Mr. Nervous Green. But how about the depiction of the real-life fascist Oswald Mosley and how weird of a scene that was. First, we see Tommy in his full greatness talking in front of all of the House of Parliament. He is now a member of Parliament, an MP, Tommy Shelby. And of all people, of all people, who do we get? We get Finnick from Hunger Games. We get Philip from Pirates of the Caribbean, Josh, the actor for Oswald Mosley here. It just yeah, the, this show never ceases to amaze me. They 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 bring actors and actresses across all different landscapes, different kind of movies, different genres. So I don't think they're done. I don't think they're done. I'm excited to see who else they bring in and what kind of roles and just we just we're just getting new characters, you know, furthering that genius of Stephen Knight to develop plot lines, A, B, C's, D's, different plot webs, because there are a lot of different plot lines that are going to progress throughout the season. It's Sam Clavin, or Clavin, you know, let's just keep on our bad pronunciation episode. But yeah, he's going to represent Oswald Mosley, who, you know, I'll give you a history lesson because I use the Google machine. He was a sir, a sixth baronet, a British politician who rose to fame in the 1920s became a leader of the British Union of Fascists in the 1930s, joined the Labour Party, which is the one that Tommy was a part of when he ran and won as Member of Parliament, and then he was basically kicked out of England, essentially, when he founded this new party that had a lot of fascism, and he was arrested in 1940. So 
this guy this guy could be uh could be a bad guy. We don't really have too many antagonists here in this first episode. We know that there's this weird little gang, this Chinese group of uh angels of retribution and besides that and Mr. Mosley, he's what did he say? Tommy, I've I've kept tabs on you or I've heard of you or something and Tommy just shrugged him off like it was a baseball player getting asked for an autograph. Yeah, Tommy doesn't care about these people trying to intimidate him or act like they're on to him because everybody's been on to him before. He's he's he, it's it's not not it's not anything that he hasn't seen. So, yeah, I mean this this part of the episode wasn't my favorite, obviously, because it's the first time we've seen it, and it hasn't really it's it was introducing it all. So I'm excited to see where it goes. But yeah, I'm, I mean, this new these new characters, these these people of, of power. Let's see if they can 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 be a thorn on Tommy's side, as opposed to the people with the guns and the weapons and and you know all of, all all the Lukic and Greta style characters, you know. Absolutely. And now let's get to the final act. And Stephen Knight sure knows how to drum up a final act because from something that you thought was a was just in a side little subplot and Tommy forgetting that this journalist was even going to show up, the same journalist now with the London Times was a part of the, the Birmingham newspaper 10 years ago was the one who was there with the, the, the burning of the king's faces. He asks about Inspector Campbell and about that murder as Polly was even charged and then the charges were dropped, and uh, we get a Campbell mention and a Grace sighting in the same episode. Tommy calls him out for being gay, basically threatens him because homosexuality is not allowed, and then we get the hit on our man, the journalist, in the elevator, a, a posh elevator. As bougie as an elevator as you can get, you could tell that the budget went up in the upholstery of the elevator as he gets mowed down Godfather style. This was such a Peaky Blinders-esque type of hit because you have the the scene with Tommy. Tommy goes to the stable and sees Charlie and asks Charlie what's going on. And Charlie's not happy with Tommy. And, and he says he tells him, you're not God. And and Tommy says, no, I'm not. And so it kind of like still, it like pans back to, it pans to another scene. And then the guy gets in the elevator and it goes slow. And then boom, 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 boom. It's panning back to Tommy, and this was just, this was so well done, Daniel. And the journalist's name was Michael Levitt, and we won't be seeing any more from Michael Levitt. We will definitely not be seeing any of Michael Levitt. <laughs> He's a goner for sure. He he took he took about 60 bullets to the chest. And, and can we also, can we also note one thing that, that, that obviously with a sign of the times is the weapons, the type of weapons the Peaky Blinders now have. They're, they're not just walking around with pistols. They have full-blown-on machine guns. And I had written down, Josh, you know, we do the winners and losers. I had written down right when Tommy outed him as walking around with men as the loser of the episode. And I, I feel like it's almost like a given because he's dead now. That's just too easy. But I'm, I'm going to give him my, my loser of the episode. One thing that, that we didn't really get to mention that I want to mention is my uh, infatuation with Johnny Dogs. Because I thought Johnny Dogs stole the show in Season 4. So happy he's back. We get a mention of Curly, so we know he's back too. We haven't really seen or heard of Charlie Strong yet, so he may be, maybe he's babysitting little Carl. Uh... <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Strong's on nanny duty? That would be a step down for him. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be the best thing ever. 
I mentioned that I loved that horse shooting scene. I think they use the train horses because I remember I, I watched the behind the scenes on Game of Thrones about how they do that, how they make the horses fall without it hurting them. And then Tommy putting the gun up to his own head was just eerie. I remember in a past season or so when he says, you know, I am a horse. So watching him have to kill a horse and then essentially contemplate killing himself, that was a really interesting thing. Tommy is all over the place here, man. I feel bad for him. I don't I don't know, man. He the last season, the last episode, he was really digging a downward spiral. And the, now it seems like he's he, he's figuring out ways to cope with it. And you know, he needs to go to the woods by himself to speak. He needs to be by the fire. He's, he's eating leaves. He's literally sleeping in the forest overnight, like to just think to himself, having these 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 conversations with 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 Grace. So Tommy's all over the place, and like he, I don't know, I don't know. I really hope he gets it together because it could end up being a problem because he's got other problems to deal with. But I also really like that horse scene. It was just really well done. Like just just even like seeing the horse, you know while it got shot and seeing it fall to the ground just thinking about like the second i saw it i'm like how do how do they how do they how does this happen how did the directors and the, and the producers make this seem so real and it just it was so authentic anthony byrne who directed this season he's directing the next season fantastic speaking of filmography i, I got a few more good things to say we do have a couple nitpicks here. We did love the episode, but you know, stay tuned for a couple things that we didn't necessarily love about it. If you guys didn't like anything about this episode, go ahead and comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Peaky Blinders. Hit us up on email at B-O-O-T, Peaky Blinders, at gmail.com. We'll make sure to read it in the next episode. But that filmography of the slow motion dog running and then into the next scene where we saw what's called a dolly zoom. I had to Google it. Because you've seen it in other in other movies or whatever. Remember that scene when Tommy ran to the stables? And at the same time, it was both zooming in and zooming out. And I didn't know how they did it. Because the house got bigger, but the stables got further away. It's called a dolly zoom. And it was awesome. And Tommy's conversation with Charlie was epic. Finishing in what was probably, you know, your, you told me your favorite line of, of the episode. With the, the whole God thing. Charlie saying you're not God. Right, that was that was my that was my my uh, favorite one. Charlie, first of all, Charlie is adorable, man. The kid, the kid's just cute. He has that. Well, in the in the in the the first the the first scene, he's like, "You shoot horses, you shoot people too." And at the end, he's like, "Did Arthur tell you?" And he's like, and he told he he told him that it was God's will. He 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 told me that it was God's will, but you're not God. So just a couple a couple zingers by Charlie. And Tommy said, I'm not God, not yet, as we then get to that scene in the elevator. And I did. I, I thought he maybe, you know, maybe Levitt would get beaten up, the newspaper journalist. But no, he gets absolutely wrecked. And Stephen Knight is back. And Tommy is right back in to the gangster life. But as we start our nitpicks, I will say I hate, I hate the tie and the button-down look for Killian Murphy as Thomas Shelby. Give me... The old-fashioned 1920s look. I even bought my own button-down that's got, you know, doesn't that doesn't have the, the collars just like he used to wear. Oh, it pisses me off. I don't like the look. I know it's in the times, but whatever. He's a politician now, man. He's 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 he's, he's got to be blended in. He he's got to be going with the times. So I mean, I I hear you. He's not he's not as piggy blind looking as he used to, but he's still Tommy Shelby. Still he still has the haircut at least. 
And if anything, the haircut got even tighter. You cannot get, that's like a negative one on the sides for Tommy. It's it's wild because the top is getting long. It is. <laughs> it's literally a negative one on the side. His hair's flowing a little more. It's not as shaggy as it used to be, but he's a little more dapper. He's a little more dapper. You know, he's he's got to be dapper. And then I've got one more nit here to pick. I didn't like the big font. I thought at first it was just to kind of punch us in the face, but then they did it again and again. And every time we moved locations and I felt like, and I was watching it on a, on a laptop and I just felt like it was, it was swarming me. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's the most nittiest nit to pick. And that's what we're doing. We're here, we're here, we're here picking nits, but I didn't like the font. I didn't like the font. It hurt and my then, eyes. Uh, and then the introduction of Daryl McCormack over Jordan Bolger as Isaiah. I don't understand why they, I mean, just contract sh- garbage, but I don't know. Yeah, it's probably something that's out of their control, like unforeseen circumstances, but I really liked old Isaiah, man. He was funny. He was really funny. Yeah, Jordan Bolger, 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 who knows? Pronunciations are great. Um, that was good. Okay, my winner of the episode is only because of her first scene, and it was Polly getting some pre-mile high action with her own private pilot out in Monte Carlo after cleaning up in the casino. It's probably the most badass thing she's done. It's the first time that I was personally jealous of Polly Gray. So there's my winner of the episode. And then she throws a bunch of money at him and says, you don't have any more passengers now. Take me to Birmingham. All right. All right. You know what? I'm going to go with the sleeper pick. My winner of the episode is the Colonel. The Colonel has knocked up a Shelby. He's, Gonna get in with the big family. It might be a come up for him. I'm gonna go with the Colonel. I'm gonna go with the Colonel because you know he he came from nothing to something right now. So I'm gonna go with the Colonel. He's he, he's gonna he's gonna be a big player. He's gonna be a big player. You think I'm gonna make a wild prediction here? We can get to our predictions before we say our losers. I think Ada's not gonna tell him. Mm. Ada's really worried about Tommy, and we see that Tommy is not adapt with the political correctness of the times. He might be friends with uh, Jeremiah because they fought together and Isaiah because it's his son, but I'm not so sure Tommy's going to be happy with a uh, with a half-black child. That's a good That's a good thought, but the whole entire spiel at the end of the episode where Paul was telling uh, Ada that it doesn't really matter that he's black kind of thing, I don't, I don't know if you got that. She was like, oh, like it's going to be an issue yeah. if you're a Shelby. So no one's, it's not really a big issue because, you know, the child's going to be beautiful and he's going to be with me every day. And you know what? That might've been when she mentioned the gold, like, right, a, right. She did. She did gold, like an Oscar. It wasn't, it wasn't Lizzie's kid, Ruby. It was this upcoming kid. And to just, I get that she's got sight, but to say that the baby's going to be gold, like, come on, that's, that's not a thing. Yeah. It, I mean, we won't get into my thoughts on Paul right now because I'm just tired of her shit. But uh, yeah, I mean. I'm I'm curious to see what happens because it's 1929 and it's different times. So I wonder how receptive everybody will be to a mixed child. I said my loser of the episode. I'm going to go with, with the journalist. Do you, do you got a good loser? My loser of the episode are the Chinese. They're, <laughs> they're fooked as a collective group. Okay. You don't, you don't mess with the Peaky Blinders like that. You don't mess with Tommy Shelby like that. And things are just downhill. I mean, the Chinese and the biggest loser of the episode is the stock market. And everyone in it. And everybody in it, including the Peaky Blinders and their funds. And Winston Churchill, who we found out lost a lot of money. Yeah, there were a lot of losers here, man. Just It's just really hard to pinpoint one. 
it, not individual people, but just collective groups. And as you mentioned, the Chinese, let's get to our predictions. Making predictions for this show, though, is a lot like betting on a horse race, only to see another horse who wasn't even listed come out and win. Because, uh, I mean, we're going to have characters that are going to be major players that we won't even meet till like episode four. But we do see that this Chinese gang is going to be an issue, whether they are the Angels of Retribution or not, or that could be a whole nother gang. I don't know. Linda and then Sir Oswald Mosley. I couldn't even predict. I don't even know. I wouldn't even tell you what I want to predict. I just know that Oswald Mosley is going to be a bad guy because of the way he looked at Tommy. And Linda, she has some decent thoughts. She wants Arthur to get involved. But at the end of the day, Arthur's always going to be that guy who sits in the garrison and mimics Tommy's quote. Remember when he said killing is a kindness and then looked at Tommy like, did I do it right? And Tommy's like, SMH. Yeah, it was it was a classic Arthur just being being a full on re, but I mean, this is really hard to predict. Honestly, it's so hard to predict after this episode because it was such an introduction episode, and I'm still kind of curious to see what the parliamentary, uh, uh the House of Commons, and the and the political aspect of the show brings to 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 Peaky Blinders. But if there's one prediction that I have, and I think you would have to agree. It's that Linda's going to turn against Arthur and is going to turn against the family. And it's really, really going to go against them because she knows everything. And it's that we're going to see more grace. That's that's what I'm going to throw in. I'm so for it. Please, please, please. I'm I'm so on you that You don't team. call Annabelle Wallace and have her fly out to wherever to just do five minutes. Right. No, no, no. She's she's come and, and looking like that. Looking like that. Like a snack. Right? Like a damn snack, man. Like a like like a damn appetizer, not a snack, okay? But anyways, I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be hard to predict this season, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, episode two. I think things are really gonna progress. We'll have the episode two instant reaction up soon. That's gonna wrap up our first ever instant reaction. We want you guys to be a part of the conversation with us because we're just going stream of consciousness here. None of this is really uh, scripted for us. We just watch the episode. We jump on here. We talk to you guys. We get it to you as fast as possible. So make sure to continue to subscribe. We love the amount of listens we're getting on the Apple podcast and Spotify. So keep on listening. Keep on sharing, especially now that season five is out and we're going to keep on filing episodes out there for you guys to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast or follow us on Twitter. We're getting into Twitter. We're not big on Twitter yet, but if you guys start to follow us, maybe we'll start to do a little bit more. We are at by order of Peaky. So make sure if you want to send us an email, you can do it. We haven't gotten many emails. Most people are just kind of commenting and posting on Facebook with us. So that's a fun little back and forth there. B-O-O-T, blinders at gmail.com is our email. And we're going to wrap this one up and go watch episode two because it is already out. We're recording this on Monday night. The first episode aired on Sunday night. And the second episode dropped right away. So we'll get that for you guys shortly. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. And we binge so you don't have to. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. <laughs>